good on the camera? Yeah, it's on. <coughs> Is that yeah. Okay. So those of you who didn't, we didn't know we started on Wednesday, we started on Wednesday. So uh, we're going to be in the middle of something. If you don't know what we're referring to, then catch up. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> what we're getting back to. So I assume you'll let them know we're continuing tonight. So um, we're going to discuss it right now. So we were discussing the April Fool Shiloh, which went to the Gain Zicha problem, and according to Ramah, one of the Makaris had it rooted in ancient Roman cults. And the concern we had was that the color war breakout seems to be cut and paste from that. I will say that my children and many other people informed me, which I knew, but they said it's really a lot better and nobody scares people anymore, and it's just something shtadi, a helicopter landing or something like that. And everybody knows, if you see a helicopter landing in the grass, it's colorless, nobody was fools, there's no Geneva's Das, and it's just exciting, and that's fine. And I gave the Agdama, I said, we're not here to attack the camps, the Heliga staff members are doing a wonderful job, and the odd thing is, is that I can't figure out why it was ever even similar, and the only source we found was in a Jewish camp, in the Adirondacks in 1916 or something like that, which is odd for something. And we took something, it sounds like April Fool's, and we improved on it in a camp setting. That would be a little troubling, but they're not doing it exactly like that. Today, Baruch Hashem, that's less of an issue. So, of course, as we were discussing fooling people, Sadiq got curious about pulling the wool over the eyes, which is an excellent tzushtel. Um, At least the Havamina, you were probably nervous. So what you sent me here was... I'd like to point out, it gives me special joy to point out when we have an expression that's not chukoseim, and that's not us to say. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's good. So uh, the expression, you can't pull the wool over my eyes, which is widely used, originally came from, it's pretty morbid and strikingly similar to a gamara. That's what I, that's why I found this so interesting. Originally came from being buried in a shroud of wool, that's tachrichim, and meant that I'm not dead, which means, what do you think, I'm dumb? Like, you're trying to fool me? That's probably somebody said you can't pull the wool over my eyes on an April Fool's Day trick or something like that. So the first part was pretty bad, but the expression comes from the fact that in England, people were buried in Tachrichim of wool, called the shrouds, because I don't want to insinuate they have a chiv to bury in Tachrichim, but it's interesting that the Umas Elam were doing that. Why are they doing that? It's covered up That's so why we do it. Interesting that they, they still do it. That, that didn't change yet until tomorrow. If they don't burn them up. If they don't time. burn them up, right. Don't put them up and then put them in a little thing in a oh, break yeah. front. I think yeah. they dress it, dress it in, like, in a tuxedo. No, that's the, the that's the, I don't want to use the word bashow. That's a bad, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's very bad. Lahavdalof, no, uh, Avdalos, the Halika bashow. The, uh, that's the showing. <laughs> I mean, once they dress them up, they're not going to dress them down. Are they? The do they not? I mean, they I, bury him like that? What a waste of a tuxedo. <laughs> okay. We'll get to the money in a minute. Okay. Right. They hold it that minute not to wear anything from a dead person. Okay. For early times, I just said the history here is, is very interesting. From early times, we just alluded to six men hug him in one paragraph. Early times, England was noted for her woolen products, like English wool, and homegrown wool, significant part of the national prosperity. During the 14th, 15th century, the protection of this national product was of great importance. These issues of taxation of imports, is, and it didn't just start with wars with the Chinese. It was an old issue, and countries try to protect assets. 
And the act was passed by King Charles II for the express purpose of increasing consumption of English wool. So if you mandate, imagine they made this into law, if you mandate you bury everybody in wool, the shrouds must be made of wool, you're going to sell a lot of wool because everybody, whether they plan it or not, is going to die. Brilliant idea. After the Bur Burial and Wool Acts of 1667, can't think of a more morbid name for, a, for an act, I don't know, in the Senate there, in the Parliament, I don't know how they, okay. But they had a Burial and Wool Acts in 1667 and 1678. Uh, yeah, long gap between them, I guess people have to get used to it. All bodies were buried in wool. There was a Hemshech over here somewhere. Here we are. Only unless they die from the plague, by Leno and affidavit sworn accordingly which means if it was corona bubonic, which is simply worse, I guess they didn't want to spend good wool and nobody wanted to go near stomach problem, which is why the Yidden were, a lot to learn from these things, the Yidden were blamed, among other things, for the bubonic plague. And they noticed the Yidden were dying significantly less numbers. And they came to the brilliant conclusion that we poisoned the wells. Same brilliant conclusion that we got the red stuff for our matzahs. No documentation whatsoever. The real reason is we have halachas. You've got to wash your hands and you've got to take a shower before Shabbos. And you've got to bury the dead right away. And you can't just run the other way. And they were so scared of the plague. They ran the other way. So the, dead was, the worst thing you do in a plague is leave the dead body there to decay in public. And that's what they did. So unless, uh, we're not going to make you bury in wool unless you have a sworn affidavit that it was the plague. In which case, I don't know what they did, but they didn't want to apply this. The penalty for not doing so is five pounds. And that's when the pounds were worth something. These were revoked in 1814. I'm not sure what happened that year, but uh, they got rid of it. It's fascinating. Lahadalafadalus, we know from the Gemara Subis, there's at the Kandra Abbanon, you have to bury in linen. And they made this Takana because people at top Taka dropping the body figuratively and running the other way because poor people couldn't afford Takrichim became. Like any other thing in public life is you're showing off a fancier chasna, a fancier Viennese table, which we're discussing on Shabbos, the halachic angle of it, and the like. And they made takana plug linen, which was cheap then, cheaper, and cheaper than everything else. You've got to bury plug simple linen. It's interesting is we still have the minig, even though linen today is very expensive. Rav Henkin had a taina on the uh, custom, I can't call it a minig, which began in his time a little bit, now is very, very common. It's not coming as a time, I'm just going to say his opinion. On this Gemara, he held it was a violation in, in theory, if not in the exact Takana, against this Takana of making the Leviah cheap. And the custom he's referring to is flying the Nifter or the Nifteris to Eretz Yisrael, which in Rav Henkin's time was very expensive. Today, I believe it's still more expensive. Correct me if that's not uh, the case compared to local in Muncie. It's got to be more expensive. It's a plane fare. What? Yeah. No, he held it, was, uh, he held it should not be done. He didn't like the direction it was going. He said it's going to, that the kana is to keep the prices down. And it's not the kana. It's not like a chasna takana, quote-unquote. It's not the kana's chazal. It's like Subas. So he held it shouldn't be done. The minig is not so, based on the Yushalmi, one sheet in the Yushalmi, that it's a big schuss to be buried there. And I think the assumption is that if people really can't afford it, hopefully they're not going to do it. And it's not like he was afraid it would get to a point it would be designed to bury here, that everybody would be going. Now, 60, 70 years later, it's still not the case. Plenty of people buried local, and there are plenty of people who go. Those who can afford it, and other considerations, I mean, I give was famous of leaving instructions to be buried here. He said, my 
children, are not people of means, they're in Kli Kodesh, and I want them to be able to come. So that's a consideration, but there's a Makar in the Yishalmi for having this Chassid being buried there. And we don't pass Nagafenkin in this regard, the meaning is not so. So in England, I don't know if the wool was expensive, they just wanted to keep it in the country, but the concept of the here is don't pull the wool of my eyes, meaning I'm not dead and I understand what you're doing and I'm out of Shaita and a Pesi. And then there's another theory, interestingly enough, that they've landed on Shetlach, assumed to be derived from the wearing of woolen wigs, and they pulled it over their eyes. I don't know what in the world that, but they had to take a dig at the Shetels. In England, the judges still wore Shetels, and maybe they still do. So it's fascinating that uh, this is something that actually makes a lot of sense, and the expression came from, I'm alive, and I'm thinking, and you can't fool me, and nothing wrong. That's a good, interesting expression. It's not a chukah same. So... Thank you for putting in one that at least, even though he's probably answering the April Fools after he's made a fool, but I think it was a, it was a good example. Uh, the other example I was given after the year, and I'm gl- almost glad this wasn't in the video, but uh, it's not going to help me because I'm going to mention it now. Uh, but uh, I think it was your comment back there. You know somebody. Don't repeat who it was, even though he might hear this. But the... Tainas we had uh, also in the Chukosayim list of copying Goyim and how they deal with getting married and making simchas and the like and the ridiculous idea of getting down on your knees to propose, which is problematic because that came from the Goyim and Jews, not all serve, but Jews have a minute not to get down on their knees unless it's uh, really necessary, not in front of a cross or anything like that, Rahman Islam. So what you told me after the shear that night was exponentially worse. Uh, it looks bad. The optics are worse than getting on your knees. But this, in terms of scaring people, and Sheker, and Geneva's Das, even for a good laugh later, and another variation, April Fool's, he told me that some have this uh, custom that they pull some wild stunt, and then they propose, and the one that he had, uh, somebody he knows well, had had a friend in the police department and basically in the middle of the date they came and they arrested him and they put him in handcuffs and they slapped him away and she was hysterical. And then he said, will you marry me, I guess? And I hope she said no. I don't know if she said yes anyway. I forgive you. I don't know exactly what she said, but you'll tell me afterwards. Not on the video, but that's ridiculous. It's, uh, I'm sure he's a good guy. Somebody misled him. His friends probably told him this is the meeting now. But it comes from April Fool's and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And why in the world would you want to dupe your kala and scare her out of her wits and um, copy these things. This, these are not Jewish things. It's just, it, it boggles the mind. So, uh, what? They learned it in color words. They it in color <laughs> If this was a color war breakout, by the way, they would throw the guy out of camp. Even this would be way out of. I knew somebody's going to say that. You're just seeing if she falls apart quickly. And you want to, okay, it's always good to be caught down the kaschus. But Lamaisa, uh, it's just April Fool's in June. And uh, he's fooling her and scaring her. And hopefully she forgives him. But uh, we should not be importing these things. The Gemara on the ship. Oh, yeah. He gave her a ring and she tossed it overboard on the high seas never to be found again. So you would think, he said, I ran Mekadeshli, hand of the ring, that's a telltale sign she doesn't want to get married. The answer is no, you would think. And the Gemara says, maybe, but maybe she's just testing him to see if he's a cousin. So that Gemara, you know, gave rise to a lot of very bad takeoffs and jokes, and <laughs> I won't go into them, but uh, you should figure out other ways how to test 
the potential chosen column. There's got to be a better way, Rabbi Sai. This is getting completely out of hand. Uh, so the Gemara calls her a Sadegadushin, interestingly enough, we would say. But that wasn't April Fool. She wasn't trying to, it was a trick, but you can, it's not a sugi now. Next year, Sugya, maybe even the end of June, if we get to it, is the Lifnever. And one of the 20 highlighted Gemaras is when he tested his son to see if he'd get angry. That's not April Fool's trick, that's Chinuch. What happened with Lifnever? He might get angry. Okay, so that's not a Sugya now. So that's, that's the Gemara. So you're allowed to do that. So she's marrying him, and she hurts from Lashon Haram. It's a he gets angry quickly. Well, one thing's for sure. If he smiles, and he's very calm, and he says, oh, that was... So nice, I feel so bad. You must be in a bad mood. I'll get you another ring. If it's something like that, then he's good to go. Great father, great husband. And, you know, I would suggest him for anybody. Uh, if he didn't do that, I don't know if we'd blame him. But um, that's, a, that's for the Shalom Bayez. Next show, then we'll go into that. I want to touch upon what? You're a very nice guy. Okay, so, uh, and I'm not saying that to butter you up, which is the next thing I wanted to get to. Uh, so, this is actually fascinating. So, Yaakov Younger, one of our regular listeners in Eitz uh sent a two-part email on Wednesday night sheer. So, apparently, your email got to those who had to hear it, and he knew we were, um, we were active again. So, the second part, I'm not going to get to now because it's part of the sugya we're about to get back into, we're about to start, on the Lamed. Uh, but the first part, he tried to be, must be related to you, he tried to be Malamed's chus on the buttering up. So, he said, interesting theory, I don't think historically it fits, but he said that maybe the story is the other way around, that buttering somebody was always an expression of softening them up and making them more receptive to your request. And these Avodazaraniks simply made the expression more hands-on and buttered up their God by smearing butter on. The, again, this is not Termisinai, but the brief overview we saw in it sounds like butter represented bounty. It's schmaltzy, you put it on bread. They smeared it on so the other deities would see the bounty and give more blessing. That's what it sounds like to me. Not because... We can understand. We wouldn't have any sinister background, I would say. Buttering up is something that makes something slippery and soft, and you have a glib tongue, which is normally a, a negative, but it could be a positive when you're paying somebody a compliment. You're still left with the Dvar Shekatirchak and the possible Hanifa. So you're not going to get out of that anyway. Uh, he's just tining that that was the expression before the Avodah has used it, and now they're using it to butter up their God. It doesn't sound like that. He does have an interesting possible raya, but this is just a raya that David Melch used it as such, not that the guy may be using it. Car for this is found in the Pasuk at the Hill in Perak Nunhei, and the Pasuk says, it's Nunhei Chavbez, Chalku Malchamas Piv. David Melch is complaining about his enemies that were full of deceit and were pretending to be friendly and were really at war with him. Chalku Malchamas Piv, Lashon Chema, with their smooth, slick tongue, mouth, ukravli boy, and in his heart, krav is war. He was ready for war, ready to stab me. And the Mitzudah's David over here says, But again, I think the imagery over here is just that chema was known as a very nice, soft, spreadable thing, which in the breakstone form and the regular form is not even today, but then it was. So that would fit into buttering somebody up. It still wouldn't excuse, I don't think they were doing it, saying it because of that, and it doesn't get rid of the Geneva's Das and the possible Hanifa issue. So 
I think it's probably better to not use the expression and probably more important not to do it, as you said from your corporate guidelines. Uh, be honest with the guy, give a compliment where the compliment is due, but don't go too far and uh, be friendly. And the, if you have a good product, the guy will give you the account, David, which, is, which is refreshing. David, yes. David is definitely criticizing you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called a glib. A glib con is something slippery. We call a guy slippery. That's not a compliment. Referring to Doig and uh, yeah, he's referring to. He had more more than him. He's napping. Yes, even those. Yeah, even though they were had a potential for greatness. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's not a compliment. It's, it's, if it's soft and slippery, we use the expression today. A guy's slippery. That's certainly not a not a compliment. <laughs> Give a guy a compliment. It's always good to be friendly. Make people feel good. But then you're not tricking him. You just a chesed to make him feel good. That's when it could be a problem. You could say something that's true and be friendly. You just can't be gain of das, and you have to mean it. And you can't be doing Hanifa in a Russia. You got to be aware of those yisurim. The last item before we go back to your sheets. This was sent in today. Good, we have a color printer over here. Thought we were going to be finished. We got a couple of more pictures in. So uh, this is from Bensi. He was by somebody in Cholamayd who had this in this farm shank, sitting right next to this farm, right next to Amikus Gedelus, Shemais Fayikra, of all places. And this guy is a very Heiliger fellow, uh, playing the drums. And uh, you guys see over here? And uh, this is another great example. This is made by somebody from probably, four, four people are from definitely. Once it's made already, you got the Marasayan issue. If it's mass produced, if you didn't ask to do it, there is a Marasayan over here because I don't know how mass produced this is. And if it's made in limited numbers, then somebody could be chesed, you ask the guy to make it. It could be a special, it's probably not, but it could be. So this might be this door to hold unless part of it is carved off. This is actually pretty exquisite. Nothing is carved off in the first picture. But he told me, he sent me three that he said, scroll down because the poor fellow fell off his farm shrunk before, <laughs> kidding or not, and broke his arm, but bad. <laughs> and now part of the arm is missing. So it's been all fixed up. <laughs> So I don't know how he's playing the drums and the tambourine, the thing, but <laughs> his whole elbow, the vehicle pushed him, yeah, <laughs> the hook of saying pussing. So that's pretty bizarre, but here you are. So it was fixed up. So if you're going to fix it up, this is a great way to fix it up. And unlike Humpty Dumpty, he's still sitting there, and now we're in good shape. So I thought that was a very clear picture. You see what? Yeah, I, I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so uh, we, we have a better thing. That's right. We, we, have, we have yet to investigate him. He's probably in big trouble. But uh, you know what? Some of the things... No, no. Some of the things I just wait for the liberals to answer. If you just wait long enough. So I don't even have to... Humpty Dumpty is probably going to be accused of being white or something like that. I don't know what picture he was. And, you know, uh, and privileged. And, uh, you know, so it's... Uh, you never know what's going to happen. They're, they're, they're getting rid of all the classics. I don't know... Um, uh, Humpty Dumpty, by the way, uh, it was pretty, pretty badly banged up. So uh, I, I don't wish it on anybody. And I don't remember what happened to the end of the story, to tell you the truth. It's Bianca's, uh, but uh, it is becoming a problem just in the last few weeks. The ossering, like I don't mind because we shouldn't be reading these silly things. But, um, but they are, uh, I, I'm just concerned that you can keep on ossering and ossering and ossering and ossering. And then... Uh, That's what I'm saying. So... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'll tell me what the depth of that is later. Okay, go to your. Um, I don't want to get political over here. Uh, 
We never do that. Okay, let's go to the uh, set you have in front of you. The Gemara Vodazar Mem Gimel Mabez, which we already saw. We're not going to see again. The last line was important. So we'll just see the last line list. Lamed Shiny, the Gemara to know, how can Rabbi Gamliel, that's what started this off, how can Rabbi Gamliel have a moon where he's showing all the people the different types of moons and testing the Adim? It's an Isidoraisa. And the Gemara says, Les Lamed Shiny, last line before the bracket. What I showed you before Pesach, which I'm going to show you again now, the big surprise over here, which is why you have to look everything up, is that this Pesach is not written by the Isser of Los Asaniti. They're quoting a Pesach to answer up why he did this for the Isser of Los Asaniti, which is the Isser that answers the moon, the stars, and the sun, and the people, and all the things. The Pesach is nowhere to be found. It's found on page 2. In Dvarim, in Perikilches, Pasuk Tes, let's see the Pesukim again. We're going to refer to this a lot, so the more we see it, the more we'll know it. Ki ata ba el ha'ares asher Hashem alakach ha'noisen loch lo sum alasas katevitz ha'goyim ahem. So as I pointed out, the biggest side, which is going to need a few weeks to develop and prove, because it's a big Chiddush, but the Pasuk sounds like it's introducing Chukosem L'Saleichu without ever mentioning Chukosem L'Saleichu here. The Pesukim Chukosem L'Saleichu are not here. Yet Rashi already tells you in Tess, L'Sumad Lassus, about Talamid Lavin Lahiris. So Rashi doesn't quote the Gemara over here. He doesn't disagree with the Moscow and the Gemara. Lavin Lahiris normally means you can learn it yourself to Paskan the Din and maybe to use it for other things. Here, it's Lahiris to tell the next generation, tell your children, you come and date Israel, stay away from these Akum because they have all sorts of terrible Menhagim which are involved in Kishuf and Avodazara, which shouldn't be on the list, but it is, and we'll explain. Lahavin Maasem Kame Mikukolim, Lahiris Lavanecha, Lasasa, Kafakach, Shazel, Chaik, Ha'avde Kachavim. Rashi says it prefers, even though the Pasuk doesn't. Rashi says, it's a general warning before we get to the specifics of keeping away from their chukim. And the million dollar question obviously is, why do I need a possibly We have a separate possible chukah same list. It's not here. And all the yisurim are going to list. not a very long list. Are all separate yisurim. Kishuf, without coming out the chukah same. Avodazara, without coming out. Melech, without murder. Avodazara. You don't, have to, you don't need chukim. Why is, what's bothering Rashi that you need to come on to chukah same lesalechu? The Pasuk sounds like that. What's bothering Rashi and what is prompting the Gemara? The Gemara is the Gemara Shabbos. The Tartamir brings it down here in short. We'll yet see it in the longer version, but it's the bottom of the first side. Over here, means you have to learn the sugi of Kishav to pask in the dinim so you don't kill somebody who's not Chai Misa if you only did slide the hand and it's only a love. And it doesn't end there. There are many other applications, but you could protect yourself and use it for other things, and we're going to give... The, the list is important because the heter is a chiddush niflo, wherever it applies. If you start expanding on it, you have to have rayas. So what's prompting the Gemara and Rashi to say this, something's bothering them about the Pasuk. Why the introduction, if you're going to talk about the Yisra of Kishuf and the Yisra of Odazar, so why give an introduction? Don't learn from the guides. It sounds like Hukasein. What is that going to help us with? Uh, we'll see later. But I'm just planting that seed. Pasuk is the list. Uh, the odd thing out, we're going to list various forms of necromancy, and telling the future, and Kishuf, and Sly of the Hand, and Derish Olamesim, 
The first thing is, the Ramban we saw before Pesach said clearly this was an active, terrible form of Avodazar. All Avodazar is terrible. What's more terrible about this is you also either singed the kid or killed him. So it was murder, maiming, possibly murder, and Avodazar. The rest of the Psukim talk about Kishuf and fortune telling, some of which is Mutter for Goyim. Kishuf is Machlekes Nagamar, and telling the future via astrology. For Gaim is Mutalagamri. So, why is it on the list? The answer is that's why Rashi is saying this is a Chukasayim issue. Don't learn from them that some of the things they're doing are okay for them, but it's not for you because you have Nevi'im. You've got to read these Psukim very slowly. You've got to put it with all the Chazals because otherwise the grouping doesn't match up. Next Pasuk. But not everyone is the pure Ta'eva. For us, it's all going to be Aser. But Ta'eva is referring to the hardcore of Arazar, obviously, with murder, certainly, and perhaps the hardcore Kishuf. And then the Pasik says. No, wouldn't call it Ta'eva. No. no, if it's Mutzvah, then it's not Ta'eva. And it's a, everything's, I think you asked that when we first read, everything's Toeva for us if it's Usser. But here, the astrology, you want to know the future, is a bitl ase at worst. I'm not going to call that a Toeva. The Torah uses Toeva seldomly. Everything's Toeva. You don't do Asa Hashem, it's Toeva. If you're not growing your Madrega, it's Toeva. But it wouldn't use it by the next Pusik. Tamim Tiyam Hashem Kecha. The contrast is don't copy them. You have better avenues to find that information when you deserve the information. Don't get into telling the future and the crystal balls and the kishuf. They're different. Sir. The telling the future via the stars is just tamimtia, bitulase. Kishuf is in his daraisa, sometimes chiyamisa. So just like degradations by us, degradations for the Gaim also. Hashem is saying, stay away from the whole thing. Spells it up a favorish. You don't need this. Don't associate yourself with this type of lifestyle. If you need the information, you're on the Madriga. I'll send you a Navi. You don't need this. this. For you, this is garbage. For them, it's sometimes alluring and not a good way to spend your life trying to figure out what's the future. It'd be a good idea for God to practice time to you. But it's not a chiv. And some of it for them is worse. Mandamar the Kishav it's Machlag and some of it's degenerated to Avarzar and Melech, which for them is a Chiyav Misa. The Navi's out of town? What? The Navi's out of town? How about a better if the Navi's out of town? How about if you're in Bayashani or post Chorban Bayashani in 2,000 years ago and the Navi hasn't been around for 2,000 years? So the answer is, I understand what you're asking. You say, well, based on this, so we can go to the crystal ball lady. So, first of all, uh, waste of money, she doesn't know what she's doing. But even if you find somebody who does, it's still lesser. So that much, we're going to be doing a lot of things that sound like being Darish time at Akra and doing it very slowly and carefully, but we're not going to go that far. Isn't so but it's a good question. Apart. What? When the Nabiim fell apart, the magic also fell apart, no? It was dented severely. Very we still had Ruch Yeah, but we had, we had Ruch HaKadosh, and they have some guy sitting in Tibet. You know the expression, you know, if those who know don't say, and those who say don't know. So that applies to your local Mechashif. If he's advertising in the street or doing mass advertising or blast emails, I wouldn't waste your time, even if it were mutter. 
So it depends on, it's certainly cut down to size. Now, the one Ramban, we have a few minutes, I want to show you the single page. That's the second part of this Ramban, who's explaining Melech. So he's trying to answer, what's Melech doing the list over here? It's Kishuf, Kishuf, astrology, crystal balls, Tamim and the worst of what is on in the world that ends up maiming or murdering people? What's it doing in the list? So the Ramban pointed out on the Pasuk that Chazal understand from Alimud that this is Avodazar and not another form of Kishuf. Over here, he points out that it was an Avodazar and Sachimis has an Avodazar, but it also was very related to the Kishuf component. And that would answer the question why it's here. All Avodazar is related to some Kishuf. They're very superstitious. The Galach used to talk them into and scare them into joining based on this. Melech, the absolute worst, who in their right mind would join something like this? You have to give up one of the kids. Had they convinced them to do that? The answer is they had such a stranglehold on them in terms of scaring them into submission to cooperate. They had to use, they were good at it, heavy-duty kishuv to cast a spell on them to scare them to that extent. And that's what Ban says here. Look at the end of the first column. Besides the fact that Chazal it was Avodazar, primarily, he says, that's why it's in the grouping. Everything else in the Pasuk is Kishuf. Can you imagine? Menashe. Before he did Shuva. That's a, if you're going to use an Eish, that's a place that's apropos to, it was a place in Yushalayim. And together with this, it wasn't a separate thing that came with lifestyle. He's quoting Psukim throughout Tanakh that always puts them together. It's not just these Psukim and Chumash. We're in the single page of the Rabban. You've got one. And these to bring small children. Which means there was Kishof and Val, which I will explain in a minute, but the end result was the pressure for them to bring the kid and either bring him to two fires and he would just get very hot or singed or wounded, or they're actually trying to kill the child in the process. And it means you had a society which. In South America, they found this when they came in all over the place. They had human sacrifices. This was unfortunately not so strange to them. One second. Which means during the process, they promised them that we're going to get some sort of inspiration from this and this can be part of the Kishav we're doing and it's going to work and bring you blessing. And they, they wrapped it up with Kishav. We would explain historically how else would they convince somebody to do something as crazy as this. And Pasuk Zechariah says, after they would do this, they would hallucinate and have these chalaymas and tell the parents and all the dearly assembled. That's why it's in this grouping. Which is our Pasuk. So he explains, now we know why it's here. It is Avodazar. It's also Avodazar. And the end goal was the Avodazar. But they used the Kishuf before, during, 
and claim to afterwards to have the results of this is the reward you get and pay a lot of money to this temple and sacrifice the kid and the gods will be nice to you and people were petrified and they did it. Yes? So if, if Kishav had such a, especially the fear aspect of things, so why was Ravashi so astounded that even a Menasha, if he was caught up in this, it, it's... It, yeah, I, I'll explain more. I'll explain more. Is the Manasseh and all the kings in that era, we explained, were very were depressed. It's not an excuse. We're not condoning it. And Hazal said what they said about it. But it was at a time when Israel was going downhill. Instead of understanding you could still do tshuva and avert the pending Corbin, they just got depressed and they said, okay, if you can't beat them, join them. And obviously, this is not working. So let's join the Amazon. They seem to be strong. That's always the allure. So he used the Kishuf to sort of like hedge his bets as a look. Uh, obviously, it's not working, so let's uh, subscribe to what they're doing. It sounds, it sounds as if he was, he was wrapped up in it because, like, because of the fear. On no, it. he did it. No, they always, they always look to throw butter at the idol. They're always looking to get more blessing. But what I'm saying is that why... If it, so we it, see when, when Menashe said that... He, he said, if you would know the Yetzirah for it. There was right. the Yetzirah for it. So, so it now, based on this, it deepens the, the answer so much that it's hard to understand the question in the first we place. Ne- we have no... It's a question is, you're so smart. If you're doing Kishu, if you want to know the future, we have to understand that because you're depressed. You want to know what's going to be. But he also did Avodazar. He gave his kids over to my love. That's hardcore Chiv Skilu. That's regular Avodazar. Right, he wouldn't be giving them over if he didn't... Okay. It's a nice defense. It's a nice defense. But Lamaisa, it's an Issa Skilu. It's the worst Avodazar you could do. And Yahar Vayar. And Menashe was, was smarter than that. To which Menashe answered, I am smart. That I'm smarter than you, and I know where to cut the challah, and you wouldn't understand the Yetzirah because we don't have it. But there was still an inborn Yetzirah we can't understand. It wasn't just the fear. They used the fear. Why is it? I guarantee you, by the way, like some of our cousins in certain areas in Yetzirah near the water, I guarantee you the people sending the, the other people to blow themselves up, never sent their own kids. Their own kids are learning in university in London. So, what do you think the Galachim? You think they gave their own kids to this? So some of them, I can imagine, got so wrapped up and crazy with it, they started believing in themselves. Maybe they did, but most of them probably didn't. So it was a way to control people. Menashe was king. He didn't need that part. But there was an active Yetzirah for the Avodah itself. Baruch Hashem, at least one Yetzirah we don't have to worry about as much. Have a good night. We'll see-